This is Positively Farming Media. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. After a long day at my desk, one of my fave ways to unwind is with my flock by throwing a grubbly happy hour. The best part about a grubbly happy hour is you can enjoy it in whatever way suits you best. Whether you choose to do a leisurely stroll as your feathered friends follow you for more, rage throw them at the sky so they rain down and melt the day's stressors away, or get fancy and mix up a grublito for your flock and mojito for yourself, there's no wrong way to do it. All you need is a bag of Grubbly Farms Grubblies and the energy to get to where your cluckin' BFFs are. To get yours, go to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKINFARM25 for 25% off your first bag. And take the mental stress off your party planning by subscribing and having your grublies auto-delivered, and you'll also save on every shipment. Oh, hey there. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. I'm Bev, one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Uh, I'm going to remind you every episode when Sam isn't here, just so that you have a heads up of what the episode is going to be like. But don't worry, as soon as she comes back, I will be sure and let you know that as well. So I know that I've been falling behind a lot on the podcast. Admittedly, this is a lot of work for one person to do. I mean, there's just no getting around that. And that's just one host. This podcast isn't actually done by one person. This is done by a whole team of people, and I'm the only person hosting at the moment, and that's still a lot. At least it is for me. It probably depends on everybody's uh, lifestyle and things that they have going on, but I wanted to be upfront and honest with you about that and just let you know I've been overwhelmed and just had way too much to do. So I had a doctor's appointment the other day, and a woman was asking me how it was outside when I walked in, and I told her that it was really hot. It had been humid, the sun was out, it was only 8.30 in the morning, but I still said, like, hot, too hot. And she laughed and said, yeah, I prefer winter, but nobody else does. And I was like, you know, I prefer winter also. And it got me thinking about some of our prior episodes that Sam and I have released here on Drink and Farm all about winter prep. And I had a really great time listening to our old winter prep episodes. And I thought, you know what? I bet there are a lot of listeners out there that haven't heard these episodes yet. And even if they have, it's probably been a really long time since you've gone all the way back to some of those early winter prep episodes. And I thought, you know what? This year has just been kind of insane. I don't think I'm just speaking for myself when I say that. And I think that I'm just going to skip right over all the fall chat and talk for now and go straight to winter. Um, Because the sooner you start preparing for something, especially when you know it's something that's coming along, the better off you're going to be in the long run. 
So today in this episode, you are going to hear the replay for one of our first winter prep episodes. Uh, The title of the episode is uh, If Bev Were an Animal, She'd Be a Goose. And it's just the you know, main part of the episode, just the winter prep stuff, didn't put any of the other extra things, you know, that we like to chat about in our podcast episodes in there. And I think that you're really going to enjoy it. The things that we brought up several years back, because this would have been, it's episode 87. So it would have been uh, one of our uh, winters after like year two or three, perhaps. Uh, and I think uh, you'll laugh at some of the things that we struggled with, especially if you're a little more um, experienced in this realm. Um, but also, if you're newer here, I think you're going to laugh also because you're going to be like, I thought I was the only person that struggled with that or thought of that or forgot to do that. Uh, and you're going to find out that you're not. So uh, this episode, you'll get to learn a lot about preparing for winter for a few different kinds of animals. Um I'll tell you a great story all about hay <laughs> and how hard it is to get when you don't get it soon enough. Um, and I think uh, since it's August now, uh, this is going to be something that's good for you to start thinking about now. So our drink pieces episode are our friends Ashley Kiernan and Kayla Woods. So cheers, ladies. And I hope that you enjoy it and send me a message and let me know what your winter prep uh, tips are, because I'd love to incorporate them into a future episode. All right, here's the show. But now we get to dive into our episode. Yay. And we're going to talk about winter. Bev's favorite season. Sam's least favorite season. It is my favorite season because it's so magical. No, it's not. You should see my yard right now. Like, okay, when snow first comes down and you're inside and you're toasty and you don't have to go into it. And and Bev has her cute little, what is it called? Your what corner? My hygge corner. Yeah. And that looks cozy AF. And you're watching it and you're drinking your hot beverage. But then you have to go out in that shit and be productive and do things <laughs> and Either you're not wearing enough layers or you're wearing too many or so you're freezing or you're sweating or like parts of you are freezing and the rest of you might be sweating. Um, And then, you know, you let the chickens out to free range and then they just shed all over the place. So it's not really like white snow anymore. It's more like brownish (sighs) snow. And then there's footprints all over the place. And then it it starts to warm up and you're like, yes, and stuff starts to freeze. But then it like freezes overnight and then you almost fall on your ass 10 times like Sam did this morning (laughs) while doing chores because the hose is frozen. So I have to haul five gallon buckets across the way. So it's very dramatic over here for Sam. And, and, and while I do kind of feel like a badass pioneer when it's all done um, <laughs> on a very small scale, <laughs> it's not my favorite at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, life during the winter is a lot easier when you don't have to like go out and do a lot of things in it. And yeah, I'm totally feeling the water thing with you because I accidentally left our hose hooked up to the frost free hydrant and it froze to it. So we couldn't use Mm -hmm. that for a whole day and water had to be trucked from inside the house. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes we have to do that too. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, this winter has just kind of flown in. 
Yeah. It, it wasn't really fall, and then suddenly it was winter. So today we're going to talk about uh, some of the winterization that we're doing and a couple of things that we're doing just a little differently this year because we weren't originally going to do a winterization episode since we've already discussed winterization in depth last year. And if you missed those, uh, those episodes are episode 33. They are both soft and squishy. That's where we talk about winterizing the chicken coop. In episode 34, when Google happens, we discuss uh, winterizing water. <laughs> and in episode 45, Goaty in like a goat way, we talk about winter care of goats. So you can go check those out if you haven't heard those yet. Yeah, those are definitely a great place to start if you if this is like your first winter with animals on the farm or in your backyard. Um, and if you have like general winterization questions, because we kind of covered a little more broadly um, what you need to think about in order to prepare for colder weather. So definitely start there. But obviously, if you have really specific questions and then you're, you're in a pinch, you can always join our Facebook group. Or if you're already in there, go ahead and ask um, what everybody else is doing or if anybody has any clever ideas because that's the purpose of the group. So you can find that on Facebook at We Drink and We Farm Things. Yes, yes. So uh, I've run into a few issues so far this year. Um, my first one is that I didn't buy hay and straw on time. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much SOL on that at this point. I'm, I'm starting to think. And honestly, the weather this year wasn't very conducive in my region for hay or straw growth anyhow. So it was going to be a tough year for me no matter what. So I probably should have known that and planned ahead. But another problem that I end up having here is that it's so humid in like August and September. I don't want to stock up on straw and hay too soon because if it gets really like moist in it and I store it in the barn, then I end up with really bad mold issues. So I was kind of trying to hold off. You'd probably be okay though, because if you think about it, Unless unless there's something with your structure, if you think about it, like, I have had, like, 800 bales in, in my hayloft for, like, since, like, July. And it gets super humid here, too. And they were totally fine? Yeah. Okay. Because my, my neighbor across the road stores says, hey, so, like, barns are a little different. There's ventilation, and, and it's up high. So you might run into that issue, but as long as it stays dry, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, I ended up with a problem. Um, All of our feed that was in our tack room this summer, it all molded. I had to chuck everything in our tack room and redo it. So we might have an issue in our barn somewhere that I just haven't discovered. Or there may have just been something wrong with that batch. And Mm. that was why everything in there molded. You know, or maybe something dragged something in. It's totally hard to say. Yeah, but um, I've also had some issues with uh, because I, I feed the goats in the um and Herc Chaffe every now and then. Mm-hmm. I was having a really hard time keeping that from molding, and it took me forever to find a container I could store it in because inside the plastic bags, water or like condensation was just like building up in there, and it was causing it to just like mold way sooner than it was supposed to. Interesting. I'm guessing I have an issue in my building. Hmm. Hmm. But it's good to know that 
you're able to store that much and not have mold issues because now I have a place to start. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. In looking into what my issue is. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely possible. That's what I thought too, because I, when I talked to one of my friends about it, she's like, oh yeah, so-and-so down the road started collecting stuff for winter back in July. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I need to talk to them and see how they're stacking it. Yeah. If, if somebody that's listening has an idea of what Bev could possibly do or look at, um, feel free to email us, drinkandfarm@gmail.com, or drop us some ideas in the group, because I can guarantee you Bev's not the only one having this issue, too, (laughs) and we'd love to share that information to help everyone that might be running into the same thing. Yeah, for sure. But I did um, come up with some solutions so that the animals don't starve this winter, because obviously that's my first priority. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, lucky for me, the goats, the goats are relatively easy keepers during the winter time. They'll basically eat their feed in whatever form I want to give it to them. So like they don't have hay to munch on. They don't seem to really care. So Timothy pellets work great for them a little handful of grain to get their rumen going and keep the warmth up, uh, they're going to be pretty happy. I try to give them at least a little bit of hay every day because otherwise they get a little bored, especially when there's just ice and snow in the pasture. They literally have nothing to do. <laughs> so, Right. And really with, um, I've heard anyways, and, and I've noticed with the goats that we have, because we always just throw in a couple of things, like a couple of, slices i guess sleeves section. flakes flakes <laughs> there we go of hay um they definitely way more in the winter than they do in the summer and i think part of that is boredom but um they definitely drink more water in the winter than they do in the summer and some of that too is that they do have to keep that room in going all the time to stay warm um mm-hmm. so for people Um, With goats, you might notice that their eating behavior and drinking behavior does change. And I think mine does, too, when it's colder outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely consume just a little more because it helps keep the body heat up, right? Exactly. That's what I'm going with. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But for Herc, Herc can't eat all of his food in pellet form. Well, I guess he might be able to, but he would get super bored without something to forage on. Mm -hmm. So lucky for me, uh, we have straw that he can forage on so it doesn't just have to be hay. So he can have a mix of straw and hay and he'll be fine. Um, And thankfully, my neighbor's parents have taken it upon themselves to hunt down some hay and straw for me. So we'll see if they come up with anything. They've been living in this area for forever. So they know everybody. So if anybody is going to be able to find it for me, it's them. And I felt really guilty that they were doing this when my friend told me I was like, no, they don't have to do that for me. I'll figure it out. I promise because I hate asking people for help. And she's like, no, they're retired. They need something to do. Let them find you hay and straw. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you to them. Uh, But one of the things that I've done is uh, I've been picking up those bales of compressed straw and Timothy grass at TSC every time I go. And last winter, I always kept a few on hand uh, for for an emergency, just in case, Um, because you never want to run out completely of feed. That's always like my biggest fear in the middle of the winter. So I'm already pretty familiar with those. But I did look up a couple of things about compressed bales that I thought was interesting. 
So compressed bales weigh 50 pounds and they have a lower moisture content than regular bales. So they can be fed at one and a half percent body weight, whereas regular hay is 2%. And because they're drier, they're dustier and you need to open them up to let them relax before feeding. And the cost for the compressed bales of Timothy hay is about $20 a bale, whereas the cost of regular hay is around $7.50 a bale here. And regular hay weighs anywhere from 45 to 75 pounds. It kind of depends on the moisture content on the weight. So bales of hay would have definitely been cheaper for me. Um, but these compressed bales will do. And the compressed straw is around $10 a bale, whereas regular straw is around that $7 or $7.50 a bale as well. So I'm not doing too bad on the straw, thankfully. <laughs> yes. And then one of the other things I'm going to do is I'm going to take a trip down south and pick up 20 bags of chaffe because chaffe can make up the majority of both of their diets. And because it's stored in a plastic bag and I don't have to worry about moisture and mold during the wintertime, uh, that I can always have on hand to feed them. And then I know that I'll never get into a pinch as far as feed goes. So yeah, that's my my feeding conundrum and how I've decided to solve it. <laughs> oh, one of the other issues that I've run into so far is that the chicken's waterer, the heated waterer, I guess I should say, wasn't reliable. So I'm in the process of installing a new system. I haven't finished it yet, but my old system, which I describe in the episode where we talk about winterizing the coop, is basically like a bulb underneath a concrete block and that bulb heats the block up, which keeps the water from freezing. Well, my bulb kept going out (laughs) (laughs) and you can't see it. So you don't know that it's gone out because there's no light that comes out of the bottom of the block. So you don't know it until you pick up the water and you're like, shit, it's just a giant (laughs) ice block. So our new system is one of the heated dog bowls, one of the really large heated dog bowls. And we cut the trough part of just a regular chicken fountain off so that the water comes out of the spout and goes into the dog bowl. And when the dog bowl fills with water, it holds the chicken fountain up and keeps the rest of the water from draining out of the tank. And uh, I got that idea from my friend Amy over at Fruitdale Farm. That's what she used last winter. And it worked so well. Her coop is really tiny. It's far away from the house. She didn't have any supplemental heat in it. And during the polar vortex, I went and checked on her chickens. And their water was still excellent with Hmm. that system. So I'm going to put one of those into place. And I'll take some pictures of it when I'm done with it. But since I worked on Herc's shed this morning, I didn't get the water done like I had planned to. So... And I also had a little more frostbite in my flock last year than I cared for. So I'm going to try installing one of those heated coop panels this year to see if it helps just like take enough chill out of the air to stop that. And my plan is to just put one panel behind the roost for now um, because they all roost on the roosting bars. So I'm hoping that having the heat during the coldest point in the night will be enough to keep that from happening but like they're chickens so we can't force them to not stick their giant combs and waddles in the water if they want to and they also seem to not care when the wind is blowing below zero outside they'll still just go out there with them soaking wet anyway so can't save them from everything but I thought I would give that a try to see if it worked and we'll see if I end up with less frostbite (laughs) 
<laughs> it's worth a shot. It is. Um, oh, and the extra heat uh, can also help increase egg production if you've hung lights in the coop to keep your chickens laying all winter. Oh. It's kind of a combination of the light and heat thing. They won't lay once it gets like below a certain temperature very well, but if there's just a tiny bit of supplemental heat in there, that might be enough to get them started if you have lights hung and they've stopped. So, I mean, of course, you know, it depends on breed and everybody's region. The lows are a little different. So, like, you know, what works in southern Ohio might not be enough for, you know, like you in Michigan or Wisconsin or Minnesota, but is worth a shot. <laughs> for sure. And the last thing I'm doing different this winter is that the goats are going to live in the pasture full time instead of going in the barn at night. Um, but that's only once Herc's loafing shed is done. I need to have good shelter for everyone first. And I promise you they won't get too cold because they have the bougiest coats ever. And you can hear all about those bougie coats in episode 44, Goatee and Like a Goat Way. Ooh, that was a lot. I'm changing a lot more and I had a lot more issues than I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that you have, you're getting a jump on it, right? So we had like winter, like our winter preview, or you did. I'm still in like, like there's too much snow still here. Mm-hmm. Um but it was enough to put both of our butts in gears for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't actually changed that much this year. Um, we do have geese this year, and this is our first winter with them. But a de-icer works just fine in their pool, unless it gets down to, like, single digits like it did one night here. Uh, then I have to break things, like, the ice up a little bit. Um, they don't. The geese really don't seem bothered by the snow at all, and it's probably because they're wearing down feather jackets. <laughs> um, Lucky they'll just go geese. Out, yeah, they'll just go out and, like, sit in it, and then I let them free-range in it for the first time yesterday while I was doing chores, and anytime I let them out, they act like they've just been cramped up for their whole lives because they're very dramatic. They just run out and flap their wings and make all sorts of noise <laughs> and piss off all the other poultry. <laughs> Um, they're yep. kind of the bullies, but <laughs> they're hilarious. Um, and they really seem to enjoy the snow. So they're like, if Bev was an animal, it would be a goose. <laughs> yes. A Sebastopol geese, because yes. that's fancy. And yeah. where's a tutu? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, the fish tank heaters are still working great in the overhead chicken waters. We have the chicken waters that have nipples on them. Um, and we... I mean, we kind of run into the same issue with frostbite here because they're using those and it runs down their waddles. Um, but we, we've we done the coop panel thing before and most of ours just, like, ignore it. <laughs> oh, okay. No matter how much I tell them, you should really go stand over there. <laughs> they do whatever the cluck they want. So You're like, hey, um, guys, there's a yeah. warm corner over there. We promise. <laughs> yeah, even when it was, like, polar vortex last year, they just – didn't really pay attention to it. It was kind of odd to me, but um, it's, it doesn't hurt to put one of those in there. So if you're, if it makes, you know, sense for you to try that, and I say definitely go for it because it's not going to hurt anything as long as they can get away from it if they want to. Yeah. I still don't have enough heated water rabbit or heated rabbit waters yet, um, but it's not the end of the world. It's mostly just inconvenient to have to bring them in to dethaw them, but it really doesn't take that long. Um, but when I have like five of them, 
it's not my favorite chore to do. Um, yeah. We did decide to, and this is different this year, um, we reintegrated all the flocks back into Cluckingham Palace this winter. So we don't have to worry about separate coop setups in the barn versus Cluckingham Palace. We still have to bring the youngest ones that we have. Um, the mama that ran away and hatched seven eggs and brought them back. Her babies <laughs> are still kind of young. Um and we're working through the chicken tractor transition right now with the other ones. So I'm hoping to bring the young ones into the chicken tractor tomorrow. Um, I did integrate the silkies in. A couple of the silkies and frizzles in today. Um, they've been in there for like a week. And immediately the, the rooster silkies were just trying to F shit up. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just their personalities. So they'll get over it. Um <laughs> But it'll be really nice this year just to have to worry about one big coop instead of trying to manage some smaller coops um, once everybody starts getting along. That'll um, probably help cut down on the amount of time your chores yeah. take. And during January and February, that's going to be life-altering. Yeah, we'll probably have to do... I don't know how much time it'll save. It'll save me some steps. We'll we'll put it that way. Because that just means we're going to go through even more food and water in the big coop. So I'll be filling oh, yeah. that more frequently. But it'll be like one trip instead of like four different places I have to go. So I'm looking forward to that simplicity. But what I might end up doing with some of the smaller coops um, is clean them out really, really well. And end up putting rabbits in them. Um, because there, there's more room. Um, we can throw some tarps down with some straw and let them run around in there. Um, since they can't really have access to grass this time of year. Uh, yeah. so we might do that. Um, but I gotta get like husband buy-in for that. Cause I'll need some help moving them around. Cause they're huge. <laughs> um, also if someone wants to sponsor our podcast so we can have heated hoses on our property, that would be great because that is like the biggest pain in the ass is when the hoses, hose is frozen. Even when we carefully like drain it out after we use it, because I mean, I would still drain it out. I swear. It's just that sometimes it's just too cold, especially when it's single digits and there's wind whipping even just the slightest bit of uh, water in there can freeze and just totally ruin your plans for the day. You want to know something really funny? We talked about those heated hoses yesterday. You and I did. Yeah. And last night before bed, Jared's like, oh, I saw something at the hardware store. I've got to show you. And he turns his phone around and it's a picture of the heated hose I was looking at on Amazon <laughs> after we talked. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, did you get me one of those? And he's like, no, I was going to ask you if you think we need one, though. I was like, God, I would love to get one. But I don't know how much they were from the hardware store. They can be kind of spendy but yeah. it's a pain to carry because that's how we're gonna have to refill the goats and herc's water is with five gallon buckets if we don't get a heated hose so i'm seriously considering it but i'm trying to decide if the cost is worth it i, I mean when know, you're we'll thinking see. in terms of stock tank filling it yeah. might be because like i have kiddie pools for the ducks and it takes four or five gallon buckets to fill it Luckily, it's not that oh, far of a geez. walk, but it's still not fun. So if the goose, yeah. I think the goose pool is like two or three times that size. So I might be putting that on the Christmas list this year. <laughs> not a bad idea. 
Go ahead and get that for me, mom. I know you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I didn't think to put farm things like on my Christmas wish list. Really? Yeah, I I don't ever tell people what I want or need. I don't know why. I think it's just it's part of my personality. Like I don't like to ask for help and I don't like to ask for specific things because I'm afraid that I'm like, you know, being like ungrateful for the fact that I'm going to get a gift. But it makes sense to tell people what you want and need because then you actually get stuff that's useful. And that right. you want a need, which is what the gift giver wants. <laughs> right. And and think of it in terms of like, I put yourself in the shoes of a gift giver. You're spending your hard-earned money to give something to someone. You want them to like it and you don't want to waste your money. That's so true. getting a gift that you're not going to use or, or perhaps you'll return. So if they're asking... You might as well tell them. That's true. You know, Jared's parents are asking us what our gift list is this year. I think I'm going to put a heated hose on it. There you go. (laughs) Jared's dad will be all into that. (laughs) He'll be like, yes, something useful for you that like works for outside. I'm all over it. (laughs) See, there's there's should be no shame in asking for what you want or need. And sometimes that is a really hard thing to to get past. I can understand that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm guilty of doing that at work. So, I mean, I probably do it in my personal life, too, and just don't even realize it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Also, I'm really lucky, like I mentioned before, that the farmer across the road cuts hay and uses our our barn to store it because he's got a bunch of horses next door. Um, And we're working out a deal with him for hay. So I feel really, really lucky to have that option. Because he didn't lose our barn, use our barn last year, um, he worked out a deal with another farmer that ended up not going so well. So that's why he's throwing it back over here this year. Uh-huh. Um, but getting hay is a total pain this time of year, especially when you don't have a farm truck or a trailer, um, and it can be really expensive. Like getting it delivered here is like forty dollars just for the delivery. Um, Which isn't terrible when you think in terms of, like, somebody taking their time to drive all the way over here. They're loading it. They're helping unload it. So I don't have a problem paying for it. But it's, like, that could be, like, quite a few bales of hay in itself at $40. Um, And it can be really expensive this time of year, too, if if you didn't buy it early. um, Because it's a higher demand, so people will pay more for it. And in those, like Bev was talking about last year, we did some of the TSC bales of hay and those add up really fast, especially when you have as many goats as we do now. Um, They go through it really quickly. So definitely feeling very grateful that we're in this situation this year and that he's willing to work with us on that. So we don't have to worry about it. We have a F-150 as one of our other vehicles. I can only fit six bales of hay in that unless we're going to stack it really high and ratchet strap it all, which Mm -hmm. I haven't experimented with yet because our feed store is only five minutes from here. So whenever I'm picking up more than six bales, I just make multiple trips because the time it takes to ratchet it all down isn't worthwhile. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I just go back and forth. But yeah, even with a truck, we still can't get a lot of hay and straw at a time. So it's kind of a pain. A trailer is also on my wish list, but no one's going to get me that for Christmas. I have to get that for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, going up your hill, to your house with a trailer it will be pretty interesting <laughs> oh you might still have to ratchet strap everything down <laughs> oh 
<laughs> we probably will. You're right. <laughs> and then it will be worth your time. <laughs> yes. Yes, it will. Because it won't end up all over my driveway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Podcasting is about so much more than just showing up. I mean, showing up as part of it, no you, no show. But podcasting is also about discovering and recognizing what prevents you from showing up or releasing your podcast episodes consistently and fixing it in a way that recognizes you're more than just a podcast host. Is it available time, unexpected extra things flying at you from all angles, or do you need to create your podcast in a way that fits your real life? Caitlin Dubin of The Roll Woman Podcast and I have teamed up to create Positively Farming Media just for food and farm-focused podcasters so they can easily get the tools they need to set up podcast systems that will let them do just that. You'll connect with other podcasters within our niche, learn how to start and continually improve the quality and consistency of your podcast, reach more listeners, get paid for your time, and so much more. Learn more about the Positively Farming Media Mastermind by going to PositivelyFarmingMedia.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this replay of this winterization episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you found it useful. And I wanted to let you know that in the show notes for this episode, there will be links to anything that we talked about in that original episode. So that way you have access to anything that you may have heard in there. And also I wanted to let you know, because we talked about water a lot in this episode, that I actually have a new favorite tool for helping with water. Uh, And that is a retractable hose. It's like a flexible hose kind of thing. It's not really retractable, I guess, but I'll put a link to the ones that I ordered in the show notes. I think, I believe it's called a flexi hose, Um, but that's been a total game changer for uh, water in the winter. But the heated dog bowls are still working really, really well. Uh, So if you want to go that direction, uh, you're not going to be disappointed about that. And I think that if you want to join me on the flexi hose train (laughs) this winter, I think you'll be really happy uh, that you did. So be sure and go check those out. So that's it this week. I'll get to chat with you next week uh, because I've got something else exciting in store for you then. And Until next time, drink, farm, and give zero clucks. Bye now. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. One of the things that makes this podcast so special is our listeners' stories, your stories. And to make sharing your story easy, you can leave it on our voicemail at 401-426-FARM, which is 401-426-3276. This quarter, we're looking for your farm stories about your farming firsts, our favorite mistress to bless and curse no matter the season, which is of course Mother Nature, and stories about planning farm projects or winging it. But really, we will take all of your farm stories because we'll be able to build future episodes around them, which will just be so much fun. That number again is 401-426-FARM, which is 401-426-3276. 
We can't wait to hear and share your stories. 